you are listening to The Subtle Forces. I am your host, Anja, not Anja. Here to admit I have a pretentious desire. I want to think deeper, more interesting thoughts. Too often, I am just scooping the scum off the surface of my mind's pond and continuously squeezing that glop in my hands like it is an idea worth having. I'm sure real pond scum contains a a complex microscopic habitat for microscopic swimming creatures that have yet to be seen or known by anyone. But this is a metaphor And I am not looking at real pond scum through a microscope. Metaphorically, the scum on the surface of my mind's pond is the easy stuff. Automatic opinions and anxiety. If I swim past the pond scum and swirl it underwater, then I can find the real fear behind my fears. Sinking even deeper into the pond, I can find visionary frogs and toads ribbit-ribbiting wisdom. These are the amphibs who can tell me exactly what it is that would satisfy any vacuum of the heart. Listening to them sing is to experience an important dream. The kind of dream I'll need to write down to feel again and again. Not just another, why is every toilet in this public bathroom broken, doorless, or occupied dream? Bathroom nightmares are just pond scum dreams. Pond scum versus deep pond. Pond scum versus deep pondering. It happens conversationally, too. When I am talking with someone but have, oh, a phone in my hand and a computer in my lap, all I can offer or receive, of course, is finest pond scum. Real listening is deep pond territory. Paying full attention when other people are talking is what my pond beings like. Because it is the only way they get to procreate. In a deep conversation, the frogs of other people jump into my head, swim in my deep pond, and later I find new tadpoles containing the genetic material of memorable conversations. Undivided listening is the best way to avoid getting my cumbersome, inflatable raft stuck in some thick, stagnant scum. Finding and then expressing new ideas is the job of the artist, whereas finding and testing new ideas is the job of the scientist. I identify as a member of the artist camp But sometimes, it is worthwhile to dip my toe in the science pond, especially if it makes me slightly uncomfortable. Becoming slightly uncomfortable heightens all of the senses.
heightened senses yield new ideas. Since I feel deeply inept at scientific thinking, clearly it is time again for me to complete a science fair project. This winter marks exactly two decades since I was last required to do a science fair project. But I think I remember how to do it. I begin with an introduction. Introduction. How well can we predict the people we think we know the most? Is seeing the same person hour after hour, day after day, like taking two egg yolks and whipping them together? Or is it more like putting oil and vinegar in a jar and shaking it vigorously? For those of us who do not live alone, spending so much time with someone in this pandemic, it is easy to assume we know what they're going to think or say about any given situation. It gives us a free pass to interrupt that person and finish their sentence for them if we think they are taking too long of a pause while speaking. This drives them nuts. By them... I mean my husband, Blaine. My interrupting Blaine to finish his sentences indicates that I think mind reading is a thing. But is it? When I am attentive and do not interrupt him, Blaine always says something that surprises me. But maybe Blaine is an anomaly. Blaine is a particularly careful thinker. In this experiment... I am not actually going to use Blaine as a test subject, but Blaine is the muse of this science fair project. A science fair project that asks the following problem statement. Problem statement. Can we anticipate exactly what other people are going to say if we spend a significant amount of time with that person? Hypothesis. I have written the following two opposite hypotheses because I hate being wrong. No matter what happens with this experiment... I can only be right because I will have already interjected with two different outcomes before any data can provide the final word. Hypothesis. Can we anticipate exactly what other people are going to say if we spend a significant amount of time with that person? Yes. We can usually predict the general impression of like or dislike, the basic pond scum level thoughts alternative hypothesis can we anticipate exactly what other people are going to say if we spend a significant amount of time with that person oh no guessing every detail of their deep pond thought their own toad song would be near impossible if not impossible procedure First, I must find four pairs of people whom I would suspect to be more capable of mind reading to serve as my test subjects. Those test subjects are Mace and Cindy, two twenty-something friends 
who have been roommates for the duration of the pandemic. I chose them because people in their 20s have really intense friendships. Entering the uncertain murk of adulthood, they rely on each other in a way that requires much more time together compared to adults of other ages who usually get more preoccupied with romantic partners, families, professional ambition, money, comfort, or television. Mace and Cindy are both roommates and friends. They voluntarily and involuntarily spend so much time together that I suspect there's a greater chance of mind-reading ability between them. What is your social life like in the pandemic? Do you want to go first, Mace? I don't care. <laughs> not much. <laughs> um, at least not the last couple of months. I'm in the house almost all the time. Um, I mean, I have a lot of, like, phone calls with friends, I guess, and, like, video meetings constantly. Um, otherwise, it's Cindy and, like, friends who come to jump my car when that happens and the grocery store. I definitely see more people than Mace because I have a studio to share. So I see my studio mate. And then I've kind of been, like, the designated chauffeur for some people. So I'll, like, be masked up and, like, give people rides places every once in a while. So I think I see, like, two people... Maybe, like, once every, like, week and a half. And then also, like, living with Mace. What is your relationship with Mace like? <laughs> um, I feel like before we lived together, we would just, like, meet up every, like, month or month and a half and just, like, unload, like, everything that's happened in that time frame. So it's interesting because now we're, like, each other's, like, sole, like, main, like, social interaction. Like, every day is just like a sleepover, I guess. The next pair of test subjects are Freesia and her girlfriend Jade. I chose them because I've always assumed lesbian couples would be more prone to mind reading than heterosexual couples. I imagined two women in love to be much more likely to jump straight into full vulnerability with each other, perhaps even getting too vulnerable, and then they can end up knowing each other so well that they can just mind-read each other all day long. Obviously, this idea is wrong and a stereotype, and I have never been in a lesbian relationship. I am ready to be proven wrong, but first I asked deep-thinking Frisia for her opinion on the matter. Do you think that lesbian couples have more ability to mind-read than heterosexual couples generally? Not inherently, but I think women have been socialized to be more observant of other people's needs and empathetic. And so if you have two women in the relationship, there might be a heightened sense of that. But I think that's just a trend. It depends on the people. We've been together for about five years. So we met in Milwaukee and then we moved to Miami, Florida, where we lived for a few years and both were in grad school at the same time. So it was like a very high stress time. And also living in Miami is 
as as is living in any large large city it's like logistically challenging because it's expensive it's hard to get around all this stuff recently in the middle of the pandemic we moved to fort wayne indiana so that's the third place we've lived together and we are having like a pretty relaxing time here because we don't go anywhere the cost of living and i think we really enjoy each other's company we don't know anybody here she goes into work a couple of days a week but other than that we are with each other like 24/5 and a half we've done a lot of new things during the pandemic like we did a meditation now we're doing a yoga series Prija did a lot of like artwork when the pandemic first hit like she would make these little arrangements and then take a photo of them every day we've been able to take more sporadic walks that's been great well it's also like pandemic hit and then we graduated too so there were kind of like these two big changes so it's kind of like gauging what was the pandemic and then what is also like the next step in our adulting lives right my last test subjects consist of two mothers and their adult daughters from my own experience i always think i know what my mom is going to say my mom talks all day in my head in fact we get in arguments and she isn't even in my house or talking to me on the phone. I just know what she thinks and can anticipate what she would say. When I am cooking, she has the most things to tell me. Who put a lid on that pot? All the nutrition is going to cook out of the rice. But mom, if I put a lid on the rice, it's going to boil over. Just don't put the lid on all the way and set the burner low. But mom, it's going to overflow. The lid always slips back on and overflows. It won't overflow if you do it right. So then I put the lid on, it slips, the liquid overflows, and I, once again, my rice is undercooked. I tried cooking it without the lid the whole way through, but my mom's opinion is so ingrained it feels dangerous and illegal to disobey. Whenever I pass by a certain mural I know my mom hates, I can hear her rejecting it. Oh, I keep seeing murals by the same artist all over town, and they are all such eyesores with those sharp geometric shapes. Such a repetitive style. It must be what's trendy right now. It's hard for me to hold my own appreciation for that mural because I will just automatically hear her complaints about it. Mom is the one who taught me almost all that I know of life. The word forever means without end. Dust is made out of skin cells. If you're cranky, you should try eating a banana. Even though we haven't been in a room together since February 2020, I know if we watch the same movie what parts mom is going to like and what parts she is going to dislike. Even without her, I feel mom tensing up as I watch the scene where a monkey is injected with heroin. 
I can hear her verbal disgust when someone makes fun of the priest's lisp. I can feel her rapt attention watching someone tap dance atop the moving streetcar. And I can feel her increased pulse when the oldest woman of the village offers a paper crane to the invading soldier who is clutching a grenade in his other hand. Due to my complete lack of pop culture literacy, I made up all of these movie scenarios. If I can read anyone's mind, it would be my mom's. I think a lot of people feel the same way. Knowing what she would say often goes a bit deeper than the easy pond scum level thinking, too. If anyone could truly know what another person's deep thought pond toad has to sing, it would be the grown child of a mother. Enter mom and daughter duo one. Rosalie and her daughter Victoria. I only have good things to say because I'm pretty close with my mom. She's a real good mom. We text probably every day or communicate in some way. In the pandemic, I see her maybe once a week. Like we have a garden together, so during the, the nicer part of the year, a couple times a week, you know, we're working on the garden together. So we're pretty close. Unfortunately, I did not have a good relationship with my mother. It was very estranged. And so I think I made a bigger point of trying to establish a different kind of relationship with my daughter. And the fact that we just uh, coincide so much with our interests really helps. And also that she's a very easygoing person and there isn't a lot of conflict in our relationship. She also is my only daughter. I had to get it right. <laughs> She's my only child, actually. So, yeah, I had to get it right. I'm curious. I know most people hear their their mothers talking to them in their head. But do you ever hear uh, Victoria talking to you in your head? I don't think she really talks in my head, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and even though you were estranged from your own mom, did you hear her voice in your head? Well, yeah. I can hear that kind of comments or voices, if you want to put it that way, that she's saying things that I don't agree with, usually. Yeah, I, have, I think everyone has a little bit of that. <laughs> it's a lot of the time when I'm at a thrift store and I'm fingering various cloths and the stitching and deciding if it's worthy. <laughs> what does your mom look for when she's looking at a item in the thrift store? It has to be well-made. So she's checking different fabrics and like the stitching to see if it's cheap, like it's going to fall apart really quickly or not. It took me a long time, but now I approach the thrift store that way also. <laughs> Finally, I asked Leela and her daughter, Terry Marie, Terry Marie described the relationship she has with her mom, who recently moved several states away. Since she moved, we haven't seen each other, but when she was still here, it was not too long between visits. We would have dinners together and watch Murder, She Wrote, or Columbo, or like whatever, and by her place. She likes to cook. 
she complains about cooking, but she likes that people request her cooking. So she puts some some fake complaints out there, but she really does like cooking for people. Um, and so since she's been gone, we talk like maybe once a week. It was, She moved in August. When when do you hear your mom's voice in your head? All the time. Oh, goodness. I could be going to clean something and then it's just like, well, make sure you have bleach. Or I could be doing something where I'm supposed to be looking nice or whatever. And then it's just like, does everything match? And do you have jewelry? And if I say something to one of the kids and then I think, oh, I sounded like mom, that sort of a thing happens to me because we talk. Like, I'll think about something that maybe she encouraged me on or, like, suggested or whatever. And then I'll be like, mom thought that the relationship with my manager could go a little bit better if I put more into it to, you know, like, be, like, nicer or warmer or whatever. <laughs> uh, okay. Terry is my oldest child. She's blossoming. You know, as her children grow, she's growing with her children in order to show them that they can do all things Christ, which is possible. She herself has to demonstrate that in front of them. And so I'm just ecstatic that she's doing that. All my children, I have three. I have three daughters. They are all strong-willed individuals. So as a mother, I have to look at them like I'm looking at a movie, not trying to get into their lives to critique good, bad, or indifferent. Whether they know it or not, they're teaching me as well. I find it really interesting, the idea of just watching them like a movie and just stepping back and trying not to interfere too much. Uh Um, Do you feel like in their heads they can hear your voice kind of telling them what to do and what not to do? Okay, as far as Terry Marie goes, Terry Marie hears me clearly. She does. But I want her to get to that point in her life where she's not listening to me per se, but she's listening to her own past experiences. She's listening to the Holy Spirit more, and she is doing that. So they're not going to do nothing. I'm not going to look up one day and see them on um, America's Most Wanted or something like that. They ain't going to go that crazy. (laughs) My tests will consist of two rounds first. Participants will have to tell me their own perspective regarding four visual prompts, followed by a second round in which they have to guess their partner's perspective. Attempting to score ideas is a pointless activity, but I need to quantify the participants' answers with a scoring system for scientific purposes. A correct guess is one point. A half guess is worth a half point, and an incorrect guess will result in no points. Each one of my test subject pairs were separately tested with the following four visual prompts. Prompt one, 
a goofy photograph my friend Heidi sent me. You can see this picture online with the episode's information, but I will describe it for you. It looks like it was taken on a farm in the 1930s. It features two young men grinning as they stuff their bodies into one giant pair of overalls. The man on the left holds onto a railing or wall as his legs are squeezed into the left leg of the overalls. He squints a little in the sun. The other man, with his legs in the right leg, poses a little more for the picture with his hand on his hip. As my friend Heidi described the picture. It's a photo of two men having fun, being very close to each other, wearing the same pair of overalls. One is supporting the two of them. The other is looking off to the side. One's got a dark shirt and one's got a light shirt. And I love that idea of them being so close and connected to each other. I would guess that this is the 1930s. Mm -hmm. It has that element to me of being post-depression flower sack fabric. Yeah, I think they're making do. They're having fun with what they've got. The question for prompt one was, if this picture represents two people, who represents who in your relationship? Test subject pair one. Cindy said, It would be me on the right because I smile in a lot of pictures that Mace takes of me. Now, did Cindy say what his roommate Mace guessed he would say? Yes, I said that Cindy's on the right because he loves to be supported by my buff muscles. I started farming this summer and Cindy's been my main supporter in recognizing how strong I am getting. One point. And who did Mace think was who in this picture? I'm on the left because I would never wear white. (laughs) There's other reasons too, but that's the main reason. Did Cindy correctly guess that Mace would say that? Mace is on the left because they pout in like all their pictures and like all their pictures of when they were a kid. One point. Test subject pair two. Jade said, I'm the one that has the hand on the shelf. I think the person that I am looks like they're not enjoying this situation sharing the, the pants. So that would probably be me in this situation. And who did Frisia think was who in this picture? The person with their hand on the railing is Jade because she's slightly more safety oriented we're both very safety oriented okay we're, we're both pretty cautious people but she really has a handle on things in terms of maintaining safety so I think she would be the one there and also I think I'm the person who's not holding on to the railing because I can see the person behind these two there's a figure through like a glass door maybe inside of the building I would pose more extravagantly knowing that there was a stranger behind watching us and I think that Jade would just as well not want to know that there was somebody back there taking in the whole scene one point I like that these two people are 
inhabiting the same overalls because Jade gave me the gift of overalls a few months ago, which I, I just felt like she really got me because all of my pants had fallen apart at the seams, were unsuitable for the Midwestern winters, or just like didn't fit. So I really was in need of pants and she got me these overalls. I think that if I was Jade, I wouldn't want to answer the question. And I would want to skirt the question and say that either of us could be either of these people. Incorrect. Test subject pair three. Who did Rosalie think was who in this picture? Because we all have multiple personality traits, I'd say that it's got to be both of these individual images in both of us. People are complex. I don't think it's one or the other. I think you're always a mixture. One fellow smiling and one frowning, but you know, we all have our ups and downs. We have our sunshine and we have our tears. Did Victoria correctly guess that Rosalie would say that? I think she would agree. I think she would say that I'm the one on the left, this guy with some smudge of whatever on his pants that he didn't clean. That's totally me. And she's going to think that's me. Incorrect. Test subject pair four. Terry Marie said... I would be the one who has their hand on the hip because th that person looks a little more like, like this is kind of fun to them. And when the person who has their hand like kind of on the ledge or whatever, they're just kind of like, what in the world? I don't even want to take this picture. Like they don't look too into it. So I think my mom would be that person. He's still going to be flamboyant. And that's how I am. I'm going to still have my hand on my hip. I'm going to still show, you know, hey, this is it. Whereas in this picture, Terry Marie, the guy in the dark color shirt, is just trying to get through it. It seemed like it to me. <laughs> I don't know if the, what's going on here. Was they Did they lose a bet or what? I don't know. It looks like a tight fit. It looks like a real tight fit. And he looked like. The guy in the dark color shirt looked like Jesus just let this get over. Whereas the guy in the white shirt, hey, I'm going to make the most of it and be jazzy still. Incorrect. My mom would say that I was the one less enthused. And maybe she would say, because I'm like reserved and maybe I wouldn't want to look silly. And maybe she would be like more into it just for like the sake of having the memory and like taking the picture. One point. Round one total. The roommates were in the lead with two points. The lesbians had one point, as did Terry Marie and her mom, while the other mom and daughter team 
Rosalie and Victoria scored zero points. Prompt 2, a white plastic spoon. The question for prompt 2, the white plastic spoon was, what would you choose to eat with this spoon? Test subject pair 1. Cindy would eat. I thought ice cream because I don't know where else I would be in a position where I had to eat something with a spoon and I didn't have my own spoon. Takeout soup? Cindy has a really active food imagination and that's the only thing I feel like I think I've seen him eat with a plastic spoon. He also doesn't usually use plastic spoons. He uses the metal ones when he gets home. One half point. What would Mace eat with this spoon? Jello, because I hate eating things with plastic spoons, and that's the easiest one. Mace would eat dairy free ice cream with it. Incorrect. Most people had something disparaging to say about the white plastic spoon. There's some things from the pre pandemic world that I don't miss, like getting something to go and then having the most flimsy ass plastic spoon (laughs) like that spoon is so flimsy that the end just winnows into nothing so like you can only (laughs) like just a teeny amount like not even a full tablespoon and then if you work in an office environment there's always one person who wants to recycle and save used plastic spoons so the drawer of silverware is full of plastic spoons with detritus like embedded it oh it's so that's so gross (laughs) there are things i don't miss test subject pair two jade would eat Mm. well it's a plastic spoon so it would be something that would be from like a store and i'm trying to think of where we get food that has a plastic spoon and i'm thinking ricky thai in north miami what kind of food is that that's it's Thai food. So like a uh, curry, rice. Now did Jade say what her girlfriend Frisia thought she would? Chickpea curry. One point. And what would Frisia eat with this spoon? Not ice cream because plastic spoons and ice cream aren't made for each other. Did Jade correctly guess that Frisia would say that? Ice cream. Incorrect. Test subject pair three. Victoria would eat... SpaghettiOs. Now did Victoria say what her mom Rosalie predicted? Hmm. Macaroni and cheese. One half point. And what would Rosalie eat? I carry a little plastic spoon that collapses in my purse. I was with my sister one time and she saw this spoon and she said, why do you have a spoon in your purse? And I said, well, you never know when you'll need one. (laughs) I should go for something cold, huh? Yogurt. Yogurt would be nice. Something healthy. Something proper, like... Fancy yogurt. There's this particular fancy (laughs) fancy yogurt that she likes, and I don't remember what it's called, but it comes in a glass jar. One point. 
test subject pair four. Terry Marie would eat pudding, chocolate pudding. Some of that that ice cream that that's in her refrigerator. That is, um, I don't even think it's real ice cream. I think it's something that they concocted and they call it ice cream. I think it starts with a Y, Japoli, or just something. I don't know, but it's one of them, them organic type things in her refrigerator. It's like made out of something that isn't even milk or something? Yes, it's something <laughs> like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Incorrect. And what would Leela eat? What would I choose if I could choose anything? Mm -hmm. Ice cream. Did Terry Marie correctly guess that Leela would say that? Any particular kind of soup? Oh, like a cream of broccoli. Mmm. Incorrect. At the end of round two, the roommates were still in the lead with 2.5 total points. Meanwhile, Rosalie and her daughter Victoria, who had previously scored no points in the first round, had now jumped all the way up to second place, followed by Frisia and girlfriend Jade. In last place were Terry Marie and her mom, and it may be noted that while a few people had guessed their partner would eat, dairy-free ice cream if given a plastic spoon. Strangely, no one had chosen that treat for themselves. Prompt 3. A circle drawn in purple marker on white paper. The question for Prompt 3, the purple circle, was Using your imagination, what do you think this is a picture of? I'm going to show you a picture, and I want you to use your imagination and tell me as specifically as you can what it is a picture of. But it's going to be abstract, so you're going to need to use your imagination. Here's the picture. It's a circle. <laughs> Several people struggled to see much in the purple circle aside from seeing it as a coffee mug stain. But the most creative answers included... The flight of a bird in the sky. She would say something very off the wall, like it's one of her sensory organs. Roger, you know how like if you go someplace, there's like a pier or like at the zoo, those things where like you can look through... And then you could see really far off, like you could see the boats on the water, or you could see like a close-up of the camel or whatever. Uh, is that a periscope? I'm not sure. Maybe, but that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking it is. I think it's a little hole on a door that you can look through. And you're supposed to see out, but there's probably a spider in there instead. So you can't see clearly who's visiting you at on your door, except for the spider. She'll probably think something like that love is not unbroken, that love goes around and around and around and around. These answers were so deep pond that their guessing partners just didn't have a chance. Oh, she has a much better imagination than me. Ooh. 
should probably say it is an animal of some sort, can shapeshift, or perhaps it's a window into another universe, a purple one. Of all the teams in this round, only Victoria scored any points when she guessed using the word shapeshifter for what her mom would see in the purple circle. The same purple circle her mom described as morphing. Nothing's coming. I like purple. It might morph into a flower. I'm not getting much here. Though I think maybe she meant her answer rather than the circle itself. But since morphing and shapeshifter are synonyms, synonyms, I generously awarded half a point. Orb? As in, like, mystical orb, as in, like, photo you take and you think there might be a ghost there orb. Though they were not on the same team, Mace and Terry Marie both used the somewhat unusual noun, orb, when describing what they thought their partners would see. Maybe she would say it's a, it's a glass orb, like a knick-knack. Oh, like a paperweight or something? Mm-hmm. Maybe she thinks it's a frog, maybe like it's a tadpole, it's a little egg that's going to become a tadpole that becomes a frog. Hard to say. She's so creative. It could be anything. Interesting. This whole project is going to have an essay in which I talk endlessly about frogs, toads, and tadpoles. (laughs) Prompt four. A tiny wooden clothespin. Test subjects had to share what memory the clothespin reminded them of. Frisia and Jade had the most unusual and precise association for the clothespin. So this is a clothespin. And what's really funny is that at Pride a couple of years ago, one of our friends was at a booth. And I wish I could remember what the booth was for. But they were giving away clothespin nipple clamps it was just such a funny free souvenir because at Pride Fest, there's usually like so much swag that people are giving away. So that's what I think of because I think we still have those and use them as chip bag clips. <laughs> they really work for that. <laughs> what memory do you think this evokes for Frisia? Oh, I don't know. Um, we use them for chip bags a lot now. Things like that are like just closing up. So maybe that's memory. Okay. It seemed like there were two main kinds of memories for the clothespin. Doing laundry, hanging laundry, using a wringer washer, hanging clothes outside, hanging clothes in the basement. (laughs) I like those. I still use them. I still hang clothes outside or in my basement. Uh, hanging clothes up on the clothesline in the mid to late 60s. That would have been uh, Gary, Indiana. Grandparents, Wausau clothesline. Maybe she would say it reminds her of the house in San Diego and the clothesline in the backyard. Or art projects. Probably some kind of craft project that she did in school, that one of the boys did in school. 
Okay. She ain't gonna see it as no chore. Art <laughs> <laughs> supplies at home. I really don't think we have any talks about uh clothing line hang. I don't even know what those are. Clothes clothing pins. And then there was Victoria who requested me to squeeze the clothespin in front of the camera like it could talk. Can you move the clothespin mouth? Yeah, that's nice. Later, when I asked Rosalie what she thought Victoria would be reminded of, she said, When she was a child, she was very inventive with playing with things. She could possibly transform that into some sort of talking animal or having a conversation with this clothespin, like you were moving it, something like that. I think that's the best I can do with that one. Do you feel like you read each other's minds? Pretty closely. (laughs) But it wasn't, it didn't feel like telepathy. It just felt like I know what Cindy says a lot and what Cindy sees me do. Do you feel like each other's minds are a little bit like a beloved pair of overalls that's easy to kind of put on and feel around in? Yeah, I feel like we're just both people with huge, like, Victorian skirts, and, like, I can, like, get under your skirt, and you can, like, pop out of the top part, and we can hang out, but I'm, like, still wearing a skirt. And you're technically still wearing a skirt, but I'm, like, in your skirt with my own skirt. Results. Roommates, Mace, and Cindy. 3.5 points. Romantic partners, Frisia and Jade. 3.5 points. Rosalie and her daughter, Victoria. 4 points. Leela and her daughter, Terry Marie. 1.5 points. I also put participants through another third, but very confusing round in which they had to guess what they thought their partner would assume they themselves would think of each object. I've decided to not include that part because it's just too dizzying to comprehend what another person thinks that you'd probably think that they think. (laughs) But I included that round because... That is exactly the confusing way I think all day. What is she assuming of me? What motivation does he think I have for saying that? Are they interpreting my answer as fake or genuine? I meant it genuinely. I hope they know that. Gosh, I hope they know that. Conclusion. Leela seemed to understand this experiment before I even tested her. Well, as young women, I don't know how old you are, but as young women, we have to get to know who we are. 
because for a long time, we're who our parents say we are. And then if we get married right away, then we become who our husbands say we are. Mm -hmm. And we lose us in that shuffle somewhere. And it's not until your early 30s that you really connect to who you really are as a human being. The reason why I am doing it isn't because I believe in the existence of mind reading, so much as at 33, I am trying to learn how to recognize my own voice within an internal chorus of everyone's opinions. I was listening to a meditation this morning, and it was really moving. I felt all calm and, well, beautiful inside. Beautiful is the word that my mom always uses to describe how going to mass or reading a particular psalm makes her feel. Whenever she is about to say the word beautiful, I know it is coming and I brace myself because hearing it makes me cringe. Partially, I prefer the pedestrian term to stay in the context of what is visually beautiful, and partially because I have an aversion to religion. But in this context of bliss, I felt her voice within me saying, This is beautiful. And this time, I had to agree. I wanted that meditation to keep going, but the guru had some words to share about the deep wounds that love can cause. Okay, I was ready for more beauty. But unfortunately, the speaker took the wrong track with me suggesting that experiencing heartbreak over a prolonged period of time is what causes heart disease. Shouting, oh, hell no, (laughs) in response to something I just heard on the radio has a way of revealing what it is that I value. I am familiar with how deeply horrible it feels when others have blamed me for experiencing chronic conditions, assuming they were caused by my spiritual ineptitude. Chalking up another's physical suffering solely to their spiritual failures is a form of victim blaming. Victim blaming is easy thinking. Pond scum. It lacks compassion. It suggests without outright saying that people with heart conditions should have prayed or meditated harder after the loss of their loved ones. The anger I felt provided a pure moment, pure because I knew in that moment I was feeling my own feelings and not anyone else's. Most of the time I feel some degree of confusion because I can think and feel thoughts and feelings of other people all day long and never be sure which ones are mine alone. a coincidence while editing this podcast my brother Anton texted me I dreamt we were shopping for overalls at a sort of department store flea market there were beautiful velvet corduroy ones that looked either reddish or greenish depending on the angle and they were used with strong 
farm animal odor. It was like he was describing the same overalls from the photograph I used as prompt one. It looks like it was taken on a farm in the 1930s. It features two young men grinning as they stuff their bodies into one giant pair of overalls. Clearly, the amphibians in Anton's deep pond have been communicating over a distance with mine. It reminds me of the time Anton and I decided to both draw maps of the neighborhood we grew up in. But not as it is in reality, but as we often see it in our dreams. Strangely, his and my dream map featured some overlaps in the landscape. Things that have never been there in waking reality, but are both there in our dreams. Like how up on the hill near the dead end, in both Anton and my dream worlds, we've seen an octagon-shaped house. Is it our shared womb vision? Is it just that we grew up next to a pond and could hear the same toads at night? I wonder. Thank you, Anton, for your dreams, amphibian recordings, and music. Thank you to Terry Marie, Leela, Frisia, Jade, Mace, Cindy, Victoria, Rosalie, Heidi, Blaine. Thank you for giving me life and perspective, Mom. Thank you, inner and external toes. Remember to use both your feelers and your logic when you notice any subtle force.